Hey guys, Dane here with the Darkroom Podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. In today's episode, I chat with Lee Morris, the founder of F Stoppers. F Stoppers is an online community revolving around photography and video gear reviews, tutorials. I use it all the time. Even like two days ago, I was Googling something I needed, I forget now, and F Stoppers was the first thing that came up. And like in the midst of mixing this episode and all that, it was pretty cool that uh, F-Stoppers was able to help me uh, not too long ago. And they can help you with anything you need. And there's a lot of cool stuff too. You can go on there and just look around and stumble on cool things and cool little tricks and, and cool tutorials that you would never think of otherwise. So I highly suggest it. And I highly suggest you stick around for this full episode because Lee is an inspiring dude. So without further ado, here is a conversation with Lee Morris. Welcome to the Dark Room Podcast, where you'll get to hear from the best full-time creators on the planet. From starting out to where they are now and everywhere in between. Welcome to the Dark Room. Lee, thank you so much for hanging out with us, man. For sure. Thanks for having me. So one thing that this current state of photography and video needs and thrives on is people like you and things like f-stoppers and what is it like to know that there are thousands and thousands and probably hundreds of thousands of of kids and people and adults using f-stoppers and using platforms like that instead of going to a traditional college or school to learn everything well um i I have kind of had a negative outlook on college since I graduated from my college. And uh, I, I was very fortunate. My parents paid for my college. So, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm not like a lot of people who have $100,000 in debt. But um, I just felt like when I was in college, I thought I was being prepared for the real world. And then the second I went out and got an internship and then went out and tried to get a job, I just quickly realized that, oh my gosh, my, my A plus grade on my ridiculous school project has no value in the market. So I I don't have anything against school if it is actually worth the money. But, um, you know, these people that are paying a hundred, two hundred $200,000 for a photography degree, when literally I don't know a single professional photographer who has one, it's a very hard sell for me. And I would, I would never recommend if, if photography is what you want to get into that you, you pay that kind of money because it's just not necessary. There's so many free things or even some paid things that, you know, uh, one of our tutorials from one of the best photographers in the world might be $300, but that's still, uh, you know, about the price of a single textbook you'd buy in college. Yeah. So, so I mean, before you went to school for photography, did you have, you know, any type of outlet that was accessible to you to, to learn or read up on, on stuff like really that? It really exist when I was in college. And to be clear, I didn't go to school for photography. I actually went to school for graphic design and I, I did photography as well in school. And my junior senior year I decided that I wanted to be a photographer but I didn't I didn't go for a photography degree but there really wasn't 
any sort. I mean, YouTube didn't exist back then. Um, when I graduated, Strobist appeared. And Strobist, you know, was like a once a week type photo blog. And he would, you know, he would talk about how to put a speed light in a softbox and it would blow my mind, you know, like, oh my gosh, yeah. I never thought about such a thing, yeah. you know. And now you can go on YouTube and type in the most obscure. I mean, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to install a deadbolt into my door, but it's the most obscure brand ever. And boom, there will be a tutorial on how to do it. And it's it just makes everything so much easier now. Yeah, it's interesting, um, at least for, for people around my age, you know, like kind of growing up with that accessibility and, you know, like you can be self-taught in anything, not just photography or video. Um, going back to your graphic design background, so is that what you kind of grew up being pumped on and, and thinking that that was going to be, you know, the rest of your career and the rest of your life was graphic design? Um, uh, maybe a little bit. I, I, my life has been very much about being excited about something, thinking that that's what I'm going to do, going out into the market and putting myself out there and then realizing I am horrible at that thing and then <laughs> completely changing my mind. So when I was young, I was absolutely sure that I was going to be an animator for Disney. Nice. That's what I wanted, but I like wasn't very good at drawing. <laughs> but yeah. you know, like my family's like, you can do whatever you believe in. You oh know? yeah, for sure. Um, and then I realized I was bad at that. So I went to this incredible high school my senior year that was a um, a art magnet school and. At that point, I was thinking that I might want to be a, a painter. And I went to that school and every single student was like a world-class artist. And so I realized I'm not good enough to be a painter either. <laughs> so then I changed to graphic design because I thought, well, the computer will do most of the work. So that's why I went to school for graphic design. And then I, I worked... Uh, as a graphic designer, uh, for, as an intern, and I realized that I am horrible at this as well, I should be a photographer. <laughs> so that's how I make decisions in life, I guess. What, what was the first time that you kind of picked up a camera and thought that there was something there? Um, well, I was lucky that my grandfather was a uh, a photographer, just a hobbyist, but he, he was the type of guy that would get super into hobbies. So he actually built a darkroom in his house oh, cool. and his house was very close to my college. So when I took some photography classes in college, instead of working out of the darkroom in school that, you know, had lines and everything, I would just go over to his house and I just had it all to myself and I could do whatever I wanted. And at that time, I still didn't think that photography was a legitimate career. I didn't think it was possible to make money in photography. But when I got the internship for the graphic design firm, I also interned for a photographer. Um, and, you know, there's a huge, huge difference between, you know, learning photography in school and, and you know, turn in a photo that shows shallow depth of field versus I got to eat on this and I got to figure out how to get people to pay me thousands of dollars to take pictures. And so 
I got to work with him side by side, ask him questions, watch the way that he interacted with clients, figure out how he was using Photoshop to make his pictures look cool. And so that was really the first time that I thought, okay, it's not just a dream. Like I'm seeing somebody do this. I don't think he's smarter than me. I can figure this out. Yeah. And I mean, I think that that is the best way to learn. I mean, anything, but especially something like this. I had a similar a similar um, background with, you know, having a mentor and being an assistant for a few years before, you know, I really thought that, okay, like now I'm ready to go out and do it on my own. So, you know, that's, that's the best way to learn. Have you, have you had anybody underneath you in the last, you know, decade that is kind of like either through wedding photography that you have been helping that, that you had as an assistant that has now gone off to do other, other things? Oh yeah. I mean, uh, (laughs) Patrick Hall, my business partner, he was one of my first assistants. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Nice. Um, yeah. So he uh, he he was going to be a dentist, and I convinced him <laughs> to start shooting weddings. And then uh, we started F-Stoppers together, and then his parents were very upset. I was just going to say that. Oh, man, totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and then um, w- at this point, we have one full-time employee that works locally. We have tons of people that work all around the world for F-Stoppers, but we have one person who works here in the office with us. His name is David. He was one of my assistants when I was shooting weddings as well. And then there's probably 15 people who have assisted me here in Charleston uh, shooting weddings. And every single one of them is at the very least a part-time professional wedding photographer. Oh, that's incredible. So it's... It's pretty eye-opening. If you if you look at, you know, go to any college and look at a class of people that go to school for photography and figure out in three years how many, what percentage of them is doing it professionally, even part-time professionally. I would guess it's less than 5%. Yeah. Maybe, maybe less than 10%. And... For people who have assisted me, and it has nothing to do with me. I'm not I'm not trying to talk myself up here. It's just assisting somebody who's doing it so you can see how it's done. 100% are making money yeah. in photography. So, you know, I, when, when you just look at those numbers, I don't know how anyone can make the argument that it's worth spending 100 grand in four years of your life, you know? Totally. Uh, so what... what- uh, what got you into wedding photography? Like all these different avenues you could have chosen and, and did that kind of fall in your lap or did you like seek that yeah, out? Yeah, it definitely fell in my lap. I don't, I don't know many people who actively go after wedding photography. Um, but I, you know, I moved to Charleston after college kind of randomly and uh, I started, you know, approaching magazines and stuff and, you know, they'd pay me 150, 200 bucks to do some shoot. And yeah. then my, my, my first wedding I ever shot was like 250 bucks for a friend, but my second wedding was a thousand and my third was 1500. And yeah, so wow. the idea that I could make $1,500. And that was to, then, that was in the beginning. That was the first, yeah. that was the very first, uh, you know, real wedding I ever shot was $1,500. Um, that was mind blowing to me. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I just thought, well, I would I would be silly to turn this down. You know, of course I have to do this. And then you get up to the point where you're making two, three, four, five, six, up to ten thousand dollars to shoot a wedding. 
I'm not, I'm not going to turn it down. I'm not going to say that like, I'm super passionate about it and I love everything about wedding photography, but it was one of the best jobs I could have ever imagined. And really the only reason I'm not shooting weddings now is just because people want to book me a year, a year and a half out. And I just didn't know what my schedule was going to be with F-stoppers. So I had to stop shooting them. But if I could book weddings like a month out, I would still be shooting weddings today. That's awesome, man. So so you met the co-founder of F-Stoppers. He was your assistant. And what what was that like, that conversation of kind of breaking off from that? Did you guys have a mutual like, hey, I have this idea. I think it can be big. Let's let's do this and go all in. Or what, what was the beginning? No, no. That? That, and, uh, I don't think a lot of people with successful ideas go all in right at the bat. I, I you right. know, it was very much just, uh, we, we were actually, I was, I was traveling with him to Germany to shoot my first ever wedding overseas. Nice. And I have this obsession with buying domain names and spending tons of money on them. And I never do anything with them. Okay. So I was like, man, I got this, I got this domain name called F stoppers. What could it be? And, and we're, we're just brainstorming on this airplane ride over to Germany. And I remember like we were getting really excited with all these ideas and the guy in front of us stood up and looked at us and shushed us. <laughs> we were being super obnoxious. Yeah. Um, but we went through all these ideas and then we just kind of landed on this idea. What if we just do, what if we teach photography through video? Because at the time, Strobus was like the only thing out, but it was like all written blog posts and we were lazy. We didn't like reading. So what if we could take the cool information that we've learned as photographers and we'll just make it into quick little videos? Yeah. And no one was doing that yet. Right. Not really. Not really. I mean, it, it was it was very difficult. YouTube was around then, but not for tutorials. It was like for weird cat videos and stuff. Yeah, like, like skate videos. I remember early YouTube for sure. Yeah. So we we started F Stoppers and it was totally just for fun. Like we didn't we didn't ever plan on it making money. And then um maybe six months in or a year in, we got our first call from an advertiser who was like I don't remember what they were going to pay, but it was like, we'll pay you a thousand dollars a month to have an ad on your website. And we were like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, then from there, we just like, things just kept happening. Our, we, we made a, a tutorial with Peter that we sold for Peter Hurley that we sold for $300. We thought it was going to be a total failure and it ended up being hugely successful. And then we just realized like, okay, this, this is what people want. This is where the money's at. So we just started building F stoppers, like more free content, but then we also made paid content as well. And then that's, that's kind of led to today. In that first year, while you obviously had to balance F stoppers and the gigs that you were getting paid to shoot, you know, to be able to afford to live, what was that balance like? How did you balance both of those projects? It it wasn't it wasn't complicated. I mean, I, I think I don't know if people like exaggerating how hard they work or if people really do just work really hard and, and Patrick and I don't. <laughs> but we like we shot we were probably shooting twenty to thirty weddings each a year. Okay. At the time. And that seems we like got a lot. really Maybe well, okay, I'll put it to you this way. So we'd shoot a wedding, yeah, and then we were both good enough to edit the wedding in one day. Yeah, so that's could, insane. So we could be done with all work for the entire year in 60 days. So now we have 
300 more days to do whatever we want. And so it was annoying learning, like teaching ourselves video and teaching ourselves how to build the website and teaching ourselves WordPress and Adobe Premiere. We had, you know, we had to kind of learn from scratch how to do all that stuff. We didn't know how, but in terms of like, we worked 15 hour days for three years straight. Like it wasn't <laughs> like that. Like we have memberships to this boat club. We'd go out wakeboarding until we got tired of it. Then we'd come back and we'd try to film a video, you know, yeah. it's like, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, we weren't slave laborers or anything. And in the beginning it was, it was just you two for how long? I don't, I don't even know. I don't know when we got our first writers. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we got our first writers a year in or something. And so for that first year, every single day, Patrick or I would do a post on F stoppers ourselves, And, mm-hmm. uh, and it would, it would just be one post a day. That was, that was what the whole website was. And, uh, and then, you know, we would, we'd try to make like an F stoppers original video once a month or once every two months, something like that. And now and, uh, it seems like you guys have what about five to, I, I could be wrong in this, but five to 10 articles a day coming out on the site. Yeah, probably, probably. Yeah. So we have, I don't know how many writers we have at this very moment. I'm just going to guess it's probably around 50 Yeah, and they're, all over the world, super part-time, just private contractors. People come and go all the time. And um, they they are kind of the lifeblood of F-stoppers that keep it going. And then Patrick and I try to make original video content all the time for free that's on our YouTube channel. Uh-huh. And then we try to do like two or three big video tutorials that we sell per year. And what, when you're going out and finding these writers, what is, mm-hmm. what is that process like with, with kind of vetting out all the different options and gaining <laughs> the trust and all that? I will tell you what it used to be because right <laughs> now, like we have this one guy in charge, his name is Alex Cook, and he is just a machine. He's their best writer and he's in charge of all the other writers and he hires and fires and keeps people in line. So cool. he, 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 is, he is like a, a robot. Um, and he's incredible and I don't really know how he does what he does. So I can't speak for him, but I'll tell you the way we did it before we would put a post up on F stoppers that said, Hey, we're looking for writers. Send us an email to this email address with your website. We don't want to hear anything else about you. We don't want to see a, uh, resume. If I think I even said, if you send us a resume, you will automatically be thrown out. <laughs> I'm sure you still a, got some resumes after you said that too. <laughs> oh yeah, we did, and I, I would say we don't even click on their on their website. Yeah. Then I had an assistant at the time who she would open up all of the people's websites like on one you know browser, but a million tabs, and we would click through the tabs. And without clicking on the people's portfolio, just I would just look at the very first picture on the website, they would be hired or fired. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, that is not the best way to find writers. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way to find great photographers. Yeah. And, you know, we met, we met some incredible photographers. We've had some amazing writers over the years from that crazy way of hiring people. But I would also say we probably had like a 90% failure rate with people who could hardly spell or like they were horrible at writing or they just, 
they thought they wanted to write, but then the second they tried to do their first post, they they just couldn't do it and so yeah. they quit within a week. Oh man. So I, I cannot say that my technique was the best decision. <laughs> was there a lot of approvals needed in the beginning? Because I'm sure now, like you guys don't have time to approve all the articles coming in, right? Or do you have someone to vet those out? Yeah. So we've got like Alex Cook is is still kind of in charge of that as well. And then we have some other editors as well. Ryan Mintz is one of our editors. He's He does an incredible job also. So everybody, you can kind of write about whatever you want and then you put it into a pending article thing. And then one of the F-stoppers uh, editors has to read it, proof it, and then publish it. So they they have come up with this list of rules and style guides and all these things that even I don't understand <laughs> because I'm I'm not a very good writer myself and uh, they just they just keep everybody in line so um, I mean we just have an, an incredible team of people who are much better at these things than I am I'm sure I know the answer to this but do you have writers on staff that you have never met in person almost everyone yeah, yeah. wow almost everyone yeah. You need to have like a big like meet and greet one day where you bring them all in. I and you would guys love meet up. to. Here, here's the thing. Like, so we have we have a few writers who have been with us for years, and some of them I still have never met, and that that feels very wrong to me. But because of the way our business works, and it's it's like people come and go all the time. I mean, we've had we've had writers that write for us that have left or have been fired and rehired like 10 times <laughs> and they just keep coming and going. We've had other people that, you know, they get hired on, they're so excited and then they never write a single post. It's just kind of the nature of internet blog writing. So the idea that, that we could pay to like fly all the writers in for, for like a meetup or whatever, I would love that. But we would literally have to do it every month because people are yeah. just kind of coming and going casually all the time. And you're in South Carolina, right? Yeah, Charleston, South Carolina. So what is life like out there on the East Coast out there? I mean, it's just so relaxed and we're, we're right on the beach. So I have a house. I, I wish I was on the ocean. I'm not on the ocean, but I'm on the marsh. I've got a jet ski and I've got a boat club membership. So it's just like uh, my my favorite thing in the world is kiteboarding. So, I'm, you know, if it's not windy, I'm out on the boat or the jet ski or whatever. So... It's just a very different way of living than, you know, New York City, where a lot of famous photographers prefer to be. Obviously, we don't have all of the opportunities to, like, meet with big clients and stuff down here, but um, we're an internet business, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, actually, uh, funny enough, well, I'm 28 years old. I rode my first jet ski ever three days ago. And it was awesome, ever. wasn't it? It is the magic carpet ride. I have never, <laughs> I've never experienced transportation like that. And my girlfriend was like, you got to do this eventually. We're doing it this weekend. And I was pumped and that thing ripped. I had such a good time. I've never been kite surfing though. What, what got you into kite surfing? That sounds like a pretty gnarly. Kite surfing, kite surfing is the greatest thing of all time. And then maybe jet skiing is like second. But kite surfing was really big here in Charleston. And when I moved here... I was very poor um, trying to become a photographer and uh, I, I would see these people flying through the air on these kites and I was just thinking like, this is the coolest sport I've ever seen. And I went to a kite shop when there was only one um, 
years ago. And the guy was like, okay, you know, it'll, you got to take lessons and you got to buy the gear, you know, plan to spend four to $5,000 to learn to do this. And that, you know, might've been, might as well have been a million dollars. Yeah. So prices came down a bit. I actually started photographing some semi-professional kiteboarders here. And one of them was like, man, why don't you do this? And I was like, I would, it's just, I don't want to spend five grand on this right now. And he's like, five grand come on i'm gonna get i'll get you you like everything you need used for less than a thousand and then i'll give you a lesson yeah so that's what happened and that got me into it and now now that i have you know been bitten by the bug i like i don't care how much it costs like i'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. buy all the new gear and everything but um it, it's not it's not quite as expensive as it once was so i mean is that just a summer thing or do you put on a full wetsuit and do it all year I, I do have a wetsuit and I will, I will go if it's not super cold, but when it drops below like 50 or 40, I'm not, I'm not going to go out there. I'd rather just travel. So usually we'll, we'll fly to an island somewhere and try to kiteboard during the winter. And when you travel, are you doing photo and video for yourself or do you kind of detach and, and, you know, let go of that when you go somewhere? So I, I mean, we try to plan all of our vacations around F stoppers videos so that we can write off the experience. So I'm trying to film stuff wherever I go. For instance, we were just up in Alaska. We were doing this thing for pro photo, but we went up early because we wanted to do some other things in Alaska. So we filmed a couple videos while we were in Alaska so that we could, you know, justify the trip. Yeah. So in that sense, I, uh, I, I will shoot or film, but I don't really shoot or film anything for fun anymore. It's it's usually all with a project in mind. Is is Alaska your speed? Like, is that one of your favorite places to uh, to travel to? Because I think it's incredible. I mean, it it is certainly incredible. It's not like I'm much more of a hot beach guy than a cold mountain guy. Okay. Um, and like, if it's cold and I'm in the mountains, I want to be snowboarding. And if there's not snow, then I'm kind of like. What are we doing here? You know, um, but Alaska was incredible, and the weather—the weather when we were up there was great. I mean, it was like sixty-five, so it was super comfortable and so beautiful. But I, I don't know that I personally would want to live there. Yeah, how often do you get out in the winter to do uh, to do some snowboarding? Not as much as I would like, but we try. We try to do one big trip every year. Yeah, nice man. Um, so. What are you excited about right now when it comes to, you know, F-stoppers and, and what you guys have, you know, coming up or, or you know, what, what's, what's getting you guys going right now? We are, we are in this, like, the weirdest transitional period right now because one thing that I think F-stoppers has been world-class at is that we are we are like the leanest business ever in terms of business expenses and uh, you know being tied down and stuff. We we have been working out of uh, this like old daycare that's on the back of Patrick's house for the last five years or so, and uh, it's not a nice office by any means, but we've just made it work. And we're kind of coming to this point where our one employee, we call him our office manager. He really wants to expand. He, he's like, we got to, we got to take things to the next level. So we hired a commercial realtor and we're looking at multi-million dollar properties just to kind of see what's available. And that's of course horrifying. Yeah. But 
I also was just introduced to Act 20 and Act 22 in Puerto Rico, which basically states that if you have a business that makes money remotely, Puerto Rico will give you 4% corporate tax and 0% personal income tax for 20 years if you move down there. That's huge. Yeah. So we would literally save hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes if we moved to Puerto Rico. So I am I am talking to lawyers and CPAs and it's like we are right in this weird gray zone of spending a million or more on a property here and being stuck here for a long time or completely leaving the continental United yeah. States. Well, you're a beach guy. Island. That would be right up your alley. Is that not the most perfect situation for you guys? Well, it could be. It could be. But my wife and I were trying to have kids. Yeah. We like we all own houses here. Uh, we my uh, manager here, uh, his wife's pregnant right now with their first kid. So like it's a it's a pretty big deal to basically move to another country um, like last minute. And that's the other thing is that we just learned about this like a week ago. And to make this work, we'd have to be there by January 1st. So it's it's just the, the strangest life choice I've ever had to make. And it's all kind of coming to this point in the next month where we have to make a decision. It's very strange. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited to see what you guys do with that? That's gonna be uh, that's gonna be interesting. I know, I know. I uh, I think we're gonna go down to Puerto Rico in like two or three weeks and just visit it, meet some other people who are already doing this, meet with lawyers and CPAs in person, and kind of talk details and stuff. But uh, it's exciting and horrifying at the exact same time. <laughs> in the uh, in the short term, do you have any videos or uh, tutorials coming up that you have uh, planned out? Yeah, so we have been we have been working on photographing the world for which is a landscape photography tutorial. We do that with Elia Lacardi. We've been working on that for almost two years now. Not not nonstop by any means, but we filmed like the first half of it over two years ago, and then. Earlier this year, we went down to South America, filmed the second half of it. And then all this summer, Aliyah has been here in Charleston. We've been knocking out all the post-processing. So everything is basically done except for the promo and then the behind-the-scenes series that's 100% on my shoulders that I didn't start until like a few days ago. (laughs) So I am uh, like right when I hang up with you, I will be going back to trying to edit I don't know how, I don't even know how many episodes it's going to be. I'm just going to imagine 10 to 15 episodes. And uh, I had something like 50 hours of cell phone footage that I have to go through. Oh, wow. Of all of the behind the scenes stuff. <laughs> so it's a, it's a lot of work. Do you enjoy doing video more than photo or do you, do you love I both do. equally? Yeah. At this point I do. I, I just like variety in my life. And I, I was so obsessed with still photography for so long. And then, you know, you just kind of maybe burnt out is too strong of a word, but it just kind of, it's not that exciting anymore. When the new camera comes out and it's got a few more megapixels, it's like, all right, whatever. Like, I can't even, like, the cameras are so good now that I can't even tell that they're getting better at a certain point. Yeah. But with video, I feel like it's 
way better. Every time I'm getting a new video camera, it's it's like changing the way I do my job. And it's so exciting. And I, I, I love editing and creating a story and making this fun little thing that's exciting for other people to watch. It's It's more thrilling than still photography for me at the moment. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Photo, you know, cameras only change so much and it's a lot about the user, but but with video, like you really see a jump and a difference every step up through it. And that makes it makes it exciting to to play around with it. Um what what kind of gear are you using right now? At the moment, we're filming everything on GH5s. We have six GH5s and uh I I am in love with those little cameras. I don't I don't really have a connection to gear anymore. I I used to like everything. I I just love or hate it so much. The GH5 is is like magic. I mean, especially for what we shoot, it like the stabilization that's built on the camera. We don't even use tripods anymore. We'll just handhold everything. It looks amazing. It's like we don't even need a gimbal. It just looks amazing right in your hand. The footage at 4K looks awesome. The fact that it can film time lapses right in the camera. They're so small. We can get in anywhere. Nobody asks for a permit. It's just like my dream camera in this little cheap package. That's awesome, man. So, okay, let's say let's say there's there's people out there that have ideas and maybe even domain names like you did and hmm. You know, they're kind of, you know, they, they need some inspiration and, and what, like, what would you have to say to, uh, to people that want to pull the trigger and have an idea, but just don't really know how to go about it? So I, I think it's very depressing for a lot of people to go to a website like F-Stoppers and go, wow, look at how big that is. And look at how many employees they have. And wow, look at the production value on the videos are produced. I could never do that. But you can't look at it now, eight years, 10 years later, you have to look at what it looked like the very, like go back and look at our first video ever. And then tell me you can't do that. Now, like you could literally destroy our first video with whatever cell phone you happen to have in your pocket right now. So I, I don't think it accomplishing things is not as as complicated as people think they are, but you just have to start small. And I think a lot of people's ideas are not ideas. They're, they're like, um, they will take something that already exists and then they'll just say, we should do this, but better. And it's like, that's not really a good idea in my opinion, because, you know, somebody might say, what, what if we made, uh, an auction website like eBay but instead of the fees, it's free to do. And it's like, okay, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Maybe you could get some people. But like how much work and time do you have to do to compete with eBay? Yeah. You know, like that's crazy. And so a lot of people, when they have ideas, it's like that. It's like, what if I make a camera and it's better than the one Nikon makes and it's cheaper? And it's like, yeah, of course. Of course, if you can do that, that's yeah. a good idea. But no, you can't do that. So like, let's be a little bit more realistic and let's, let's, let's just start something today. And for most people, um, doing something and putting it on the internet is the absolute easiest thing to do. And most people are doing it already with social media in terms of like making a little quick, funny video about whatever. 
and posting it on Instagram or Facebook or, or YouTube or whatever. The next step from there is, okay, instead of doing it in one take, I'm going to plan it out and I'm going to edit it just a little bit. Maybe I'm going to add music to it. Maybe I'm going to put a mic on so it sounds a little bit better. And before you know it, you have production value that's better than 99% of what's on YouTube already, you know, and it's not hard and it's not expensive and you can do it. You can do it on your cell phone. I mean, we, a lot of what we film is on cell phones and people don't know. We mix it in with footage that we shoot on the GH5s and people do not know. So I guess my advice would be to like, stop, stop thinking so grand at the beginning and instead just, just think about like, what can we do today? Let's just do something today, put it out there and see what happens. And if you can do that consistently, you will eventually grow a following of some kind. Yeah. Nicely said, man. I'm, I'm inspired. I'm going to start buying up domain names. I'm going to, I'm going to do you it. Go. That's all you got to do. Just buy domain <laughs> names. And money will start pouring in. Oh man. Lee Morris, dude, you are awesome. Thank you so much for, for hanging out and chatting with me. I, uh, I'm sure you're going to inspire a ton of people out there. Well, thanks so much for the opportunity. Yeah, man. Hey, before I let you go, do you want to let them know how they can um, check out F-Stoppers and what you guys are doing? I mean, you can check out fstoppers.com for you know all the f free daily blog posts and everything. We have news and uh, reviews and stuff like that. And then if you'd like to check out our, our free video content, head over to the F-Stoppers YouTube channel. We try to make I'd love to make a couple of videos every week, but I'm, I'm sad to say we probably don't keep up with that a lot of times. Um, and then if you'd like to check out our, our like high-end tutorials that literally take us years to produce at times, you can check out fstoppers.com slash store. And we have a bunch of different genres of photography where we've teamed up with very famous photographers, much more talented than me, to kind of teach everything that they know. Perfect. Dude, next time we chat, you might be in Puerto Rico. I could be, <laughs> but oh, it's a scary move, man. All right, Lee. I appreciate you, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right. See you. That'll do it, guys. Grab your sea doos Grab, do they call it sea doos or wave runners or ski doos there's, a, there's like three or four things. But anyways, Lee, thanks for chatting, man. I appreciate you, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. I am always looking for new things to learn on there. So uh, yeah, there's a lot. And I suggest you check out fstoppers.com. Uh, check them out on Instagram. Say hey to Lee. Say hey to us. And uh, we will see you guys next week.